0: And welcome to Shea Haney, the podcast featuring women who've made creative career change. In this first episode of 2024, I talk to musician Elizabeth Parry about how liberation from financial pressures via a move to France has enabled her to live a more creatively fulfilling life. So I'm very excited to introduce today's podcast guest, not least because we have several interests in common. Um, welcome, Elizabeth to Shea Haney. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, thank you for inviting me, um, Hannah. I was so excited to discover your Substack because it struck me immediately how much we had in common, um, not just because we're both pursuing a creative life, but because we both come from a musical background. <clears throat> I'm I'm a musician and a writer um, by profession and by lifelong practice. And my Um, creative shift has been uh, focused on releasing myself from the pressure of the daily grind so that I can really focus full-time on pursuing my creative interests and um, I like to think that I've been fairly successful in doing that and I'm really happy to talk to you about some of the exciting new directions I've been able to pursue since I have taken some big leaps in my <laughs> personal life to affect to those changes.
0: Brilliant. So can you talk to us um, about your career, sort of where you started and maybe take us through that journey so far? Sure. I'm I'm a musician, a, a flute player, and
1: like almost all musicians, my career has been what you might call a portfolio career. It's a lot of different elements all related to being a musician but it's not one particular thing so I've worked as a freelance orchestral musician I've done uh, lots and lots of performing and I still do Um, but of course along the way I also teach um, not classroom teaching always private uh, students Um, in more recent years I Discovered that I had a real passion for teaching adult musicians. Right. Um, I never thought I was a very good, very good teacher of young people, actually. But I love teaching adults, and yeah. that became um, a real focus for me in developing my career because I realized as I began to work with them as individuals that I wanted to help them create ensembles. I started directing ensembles. I started writing and arranging music for those ensembles. I started running courses and over a period of time I started, I moved into publishing the work that I'd done. Um, That puts in the two in a nutshell what was actually a very long process over quite a number of years. Um, But that was the musical side of my life. I've always had two strings to my bow, really, because in the background I've always done a lot of, Writing, I've written quite a few books, um, non-fiction books that I've been commissioned to right. write. I wouldn't name them because I don't. Then they're, they're rather ephemeral <laughs> travel books and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've, um, I am a published author in um, in a in a quite a more serious sphere. I've written a, a memoir. Uh, which was the story of my journey as the mother of a transgender child. Um, That's written under a pseudonym and I'm going to leave it at that because there are certain elements of confidentiality that that, that, that were promised in the publication of that. Um, But what that means is that I, I am actually very passionate about writing and I definitely want to do more writing that was part of the reason I started doing uh writing a substack because I when I discovered the platform I realized that there was a really great intersection for me of writing and music and writing about music and reaching my audience Mm -hmm. and um so so really those are the two key elements of what I've done I've I've dabbled in academia I've I've done all sorts of things really I'm a bit of a um I I'm a person who thrives on variety and I'm not very good at working for other people
0: yeah yeah I'm very much
1: a person who needs to work for myself
0: I can understand that very much. Um, And so you're still working as a musician, but you made a big life change um, a few years ago. Um, Could you explain to us what that was and maybe what the catalyst for that decision was as well?
1: Yes. Um, Three years ago, I moved to France with my partner. Um, My partner is also a musician. He had spent um, all his career... um, at a very high level in the London music scene. He's in the London Symphony Orchestra. And um, we worked together a lot musically. And as no one will have forgotten, three years ago, COVID struck. And when that happened, we and all of our friends in the musical world were faced with a huge crisis because for freelance artists, The the handouts were not there, Mm. (laughs) and especially if if you weren't over a certain amount, you weren't eligible for them. And so, a a lot of musicians were really in a position of crisis when COVID happened. We couldn't work. What we did wasn't very suited to going online. Although I will talk about that in a minute. Yeah, because I did actually manage to pivot to a lot of online. Work, but it made us start thinking as we as we tried to navigate creating an income stream for ourselves during COVID. Um, it made us realize that actually, with everything that we had now put online, we started to run classes. I uh, started teaching online, and we started focusing on our publishing work, yes. and we realized that we could do that from anywhere, mm. and we'd both always loved France. And we knew that in France, we could buy property far more cheaply than in the UK. Like most people, we still had a mortgage. If yeah. um, We lived in a very expensive part of the country. And um, we started to think about selling up. And we were very serious about it. We didn't want to keep a foot in the camp in England. We thought if we just sold everything, we could afford to buy a house outright, create a music yeah. studio yeah. and start to do our own thing without the burden of daily financial pressure Yeah, and that that would liberate us to pursue a different kind of creative life. So that idea was very much... Um, at the forefront of our mind. And concurrent with that, of course, was the fact that um, Britain had voted for Brexit. And we knew that that window of opportunity would close. And so the first summer of COVID when we were allowed to travel in a very, very limited way, we got in the car and we drove and we had, not any particular place in mind, but we had certain criteria. We wanted to be near an airport because we thought we would still go backwards and forwards for work and that yeah. people would want to come to our courses. And we found an area that we wanted to live in, and then we looked for a house and we found a house, and we seized the day basically yes, <laughs> and it's amazing. the house the, the the main criteria was that that the house would have the potential to create. The music studio of our dreams, basically, which had to have a study, each um, had to have a be a very large space, uh, enough to host concerts, um, enough for a recording studio, and we found we found a house that had that space. It needed a lot of work, mm-hmm. and um, we bought it, and that was <laughs> it. <laughs> that was it. We made and we 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 took the leap into the abyss. And three years later, we've done it,
0: and it's it's really worked for us. And it's an amazing story. I find this so inspiring because, um, I mean, you may know, or, or people listening who may have read some of my posts might know that um, France and the kind of – we tend to go there quite regularly on holiday, but this, I have this dream in my mind of one day we might make the move to France, whether it's permanently or as a holiday home, I don't know. So hearing <laughs> your story is, is so inspiring to me. Um in terms of my own sort of um, ideals going forward. Um, so what were some of the challenges that you faced along the way of making that uh, that move?
1: The move itself was challenging uh, because we were trying to do it in the middle of COVID. Yes. So uh, <laughs> that did not make anything easy. <laughs> and um, just for one example, um, we we purchased the house we knew that we had to move to get there before the 31st of December, 2020. That was the um, warp agreement deadline. Yes, of course. But there were no international movers um, operating at that time. So basically, we had to uh, put everything in storage and jump in the car with a few suitcases and flutes, yeah. music stands, a piano, a digital piano. Yeah. yeah. Fact, not just not just one on sort of scissor legs, a full-size yeah. clavinova yeah. 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 um coffee machine. And and off we trundled um to a little rented cottage because we couldn't be sure that we were going to complete on the sale of the house. And we had right. to get there mm-hmm. before before the um withdrawal agreement window closed. Yeah. Yeah. So it was and then of course we arrived there. Uh, It was cold. It was dark. It was wet. (laughs) Um, We were in a we're in a part of France with quite a strong regional accent. Um, My French is quite good. Well, it's a lot better now than it was three years ago. But even then, it was quite good. Yeah. But any interaction we could have was with masks on. And I just (laughs) I found it so difficult to interpret the local accent when I couldn't see people's lips yes. it was it was and it was it was quite a quite a lonely time and yeah. you know trying to navigate French bureaucracy and complete on the purchase of the house and find a way of getting our furniture over and we, we camped in the house for the first couple of months yeah. it was yeah. um it really was was quite challenging yes. um but we were so excited to be there, and we we bought a couple of um, picnic tables, and we set up our computers on a on these tables, and you know, plugged the and over in, and um, uh, set up our laptops, and and started started work, started running classes, and at the same time, we started work on the conversion of the roof space, which became the okay. music studio. So. I was trying to manage the construction project which was not a small job mm-hmm. and and work and it was um yes it was very chal- it was very challenging but exciting i yeah. think we we really were living in in quite a state of euphoria to have done it yeah. we we thought we'd done it um and we knew that there'd be a lot of of dust that had to settle uh, literally actually because of the, yes. because of all the building work in the house um, but every day we could see the progress towards the
0: yeah.
1: end goal yeah.
0: so that's so wonderful isn't it when like as you say all those challenges but you knew that you were making this um, this change for all the all good reasons and um, yeah yes, eventually and it would we come we together very much we,
1: yes we very much had an end goal and And we just kept m- moving towards that end goal, and and there were many obstacles, but yeah. we we pushed through all of them, and it was very exciting the The great final moment came when the um, my partners um, got a con- concert grand piano, very yeah who don't know this is a very very large instrument um seven seven foot grand and that had gone into storage in the netherlands with specialist orchestral movers had had taken and had been sitting in the netherlands for six months was that so that it
0: could be in the
1: It was out of the UK, yes, I see. That's exactly right, because once the the curtain came down on the withdrawal agreement, uh, import of of personal effects was subject to duty. So so the piano went to the Netherlands, where it was um, babysat for six months while we did the building work. And the most exciting day was when the piano arrived and it was hoisted by crane, up three stories in <laughs> in through the window of the top floor wow. and set up and there it shall remain
0: <laughs> I think I've seen a photo of, you've got a photo of it haven't you on one of your um Substack posts I think I've yes I, I there is there's, that, a video. Yeah.
1: There's, there's a video a video um, yes it's a video yes. it's it's quite it was quite an event the whole village turned out to watch well <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, that's amazing um was it long then before the um, the benefits started to manifest themselves for you? And perhaps talk us through what what some of those benefits have been to your move so far. the The main benefit of the move, a, apart from a personal
1: lifestyle benefit, which yeah. has been tremendous. Actually, I mean it's it's a great lifestyle in in France. I'm extremely happy with it we haven't you know i read the uk press and i read a lot about the decline of the nhs and yeah. that kind of thing you know that those worries we don't have those worries yes. and it's it's very it's very nice um so there are there are a lot of personal benefits but thinking about the the core reasons for the move which were essentially to liberate us to mm. pursue our creative life i think we started really to see that six months in once we'd finished the building work yes. because that building work did take a huge amount of headspace and and it was pretty stressful at times because as all building work is there were people who walked off site and you that on one occasion leaving us without a staircase that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't it wasn't easy. So I have to say it did get easier once we were able to move into our beautiful studio. We each had a study, we had a recording space. Yeah. And at that point we started to be able to be much more productive. So the, the two avenues that we've focused on have been building our publishing business. So what started as a self a few self-published arrangements has now been able to grow into a business that we have nearly 50 publications yes. now and we have Fantastic. um what we have worldwide distribution through uh universal editions and through in in europe and asia and um carl fisher in the. us so okay. as a musician you'll know that these yeah. are, are, are key names in yes. music publishing yeah. So to to create a little seed business, publishing a few of your own arrangements into something that that got that kind of reach, I personally feel is is an achievement to be yeah, proud of, and definitely. that's something that that we will um, we continue to build. So that's been one avenue, and the other avenue has been our um, courses. So I, as I mentioned earlier. I'm very passionate about working with adult musicians, adult flute players. And previously, pre-COVID, I, I'd been running international courses for about 10 years, um, France, Italy, Greece, Spain, all over Australia, yeah. all over the place. And every time I did that, I had to hire a venue. It was quite a complex mm. um, operation, You're hiring a venue, catering, Uh, all the things around it so what we wanted to do was actually create our own venue so that we could run our courses in our own space and have everything on hand and build um, a core of suppliers and venues for concerts and so on and so we this year we ran our second course and when that course finished it was fully booked out again for the following for next year Fantastic! So being able to um put in place a second course for next year, and that's something that I hope will also grow. So yeah. so there's a lot um so that's another focus. And then I I have my own students and I also run an online class um, called called Friday Flutes every yeah. flat fr- every Friday, and I have participants from around the world who join me in that. Yeah. Um I teach in English when I'm teaching in person in France. I will teach in French, but they're not on my courses. I should hasten to add to anyone who might want to come. (laughs) I teach in English on my courses. Um, But Friday Flutes, I have participants from the UK, the US, Norway, Italy, and um, uh, Greece in this current, um, current batch. And so that's something we do every week so we do that over zoom and it's yeah. proved very very effective and so a class that used to just be confined to people i could see in real life yes. in london has become an international yes. uh, venture and i find it extremely fulfilling and i i love doing it and a lot of the music we we write and arrange uh, arises from my interactions with these students yes. because I get a feeling for what they what they need or I, I might want to teach around a particular theme. so yeah. so yeah. we arrange music for that, and eventually that probably ends up in one of our books. yes, but
0: well, that's a lovely way to 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 come up with the music it, a response to what is essentially yes. required from from the people that you're working with. And I was just going to ask, do you think that um without uh, the pandemic and being forced to kind of go online with so many things, you would have come up with this way of working. Do you think that would have happened? No, I no, I don't think it would be, and I can
1: be quite sure of that because I was very against teaching online. Right, okay, I had, yes, I, I had I had colleagues who did do occasional Skype lessons, and I yes. was always very sceptical about it. And when it when the pandemic did hit, I had to say I thought to myself this is not going to be this is not going to be a few days I just I could see it was going to be a lot longer so instead of rushing online and putting up lots of videos with me playing in different boxes you I'm sure yeah, you saw them yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything of, I didn't do anything like that I shut myself away in my study for about a month and I purchased recording equipment and video equipment and I taught myself to do things I didn't know how to do before um, or editing video editing all that kind of thing and then when I was ready then I I launched a whole series of classes and I felt very prepared for it and I think because I laid that foundation it might have seemed at the time I was a bit of a late arrival but actually I wasn't I'd really thought through what I wanted to do and it I think that created the footing for what came later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I can see the absolute benefits of that, because I think lots of people panicked and suddenly just threw it, uh, sort of threw themselves into things. But as you say, without perhaps knowing exactly how it was going to work. So that's a very, a very measured and sensible approach to it. Because at the time, I I mean, I was, I was um, head of a big music department in the school when all of this was happening and managing a, a team of visiting music teachers who were, none of us were in school for a long time but even when schools reopened um the visiting music teachers were not allowed to come back in and teach because they were teaching students in tiny rooms you know one-to-one so so i witnessed all this that you're talking about in terms of how different people's reactions to to wanting to, to teach online or not wanting to teach online and um i think it's just fascinating how from something that was really not a very nice um thing at the time there is there are a few glimmers of, of 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 positives, I suppose, if we can call them that, that have kind of emerged from it in in different ways of working. I, I guess that um, yeah, I think I think you know, that's dropped. that's
1: very true, and and I think it also illuminates something that a, a rather general truth, which is that some people, when they're faced with a big challenge, will take the leap into to yes. doing some trying to do something exciting with it, and other people will very much withdraw from the the challenge and I suppose that comes down to whether you're risk averse or willing to take a risk and I'm very much a person who's willing to take a risk and I suppose that it's a personality thing that really leads you know very clearly into the what came
0: what came next yeah I think you're right absolutely Um, and in making this change um not that you necessarily needed this, but did you have the support of your kind of family and friends and people around you in making your big move to France? I think I, uh, I definitely friends, friends
1: and colleagues, absolutely family, much as I love them. I uh, were not really a part of the equation because I've always lived a long way from my family. Anyway, I moved from Australia to the UK when I was 18 and I've lived there ever since. So, uh, and and my children are young adults now, and they themselves have moved on one to one to Melbourne and one to Boston. So we're, yes, okay. we're quite we're quite um, we're close, but we're distant. Yes, <laughs> so yes. whether whether or not I moved to France was really yes. not something that would impact okay. on the way those relationships were conducted. Yes. Um, and and I think my my partner felt the same way because his children were also. Uh, so we'd come together um later in life um his children were also grown and and spread out in the UK but you know definitely not on his doorstep so we we felt we're at a time in our life where it was an optimal time really to make a change for us yeah so there were there were
0: a lot of positives yeah and um it's it's good that you yeah that you were at that point where you could you could just do that and it and it worked and yeah and I think de- it sounds like you you know if, if, if it had been a, a different time when
1: you know children were I don't know what doing GCSEs or something yeah, obviously yes, you yeah. couldn't you couldn't yeah. seize the moment yeah. in the same in the same way although I'm sure I would have come up with something yes else. you found a way I'm sure probably, but, but yeah. it, it it it
0: all all the pieces came together at, at yeah. the right time yeah Yeah. And I'm certain I know the answer to this, but um, do you feel that your move to France has enabled you to live more creatively? And perhaps you can talk to us about how that how that is the case.
1: Yes. Uh, Well, without (laughs) doubt, the reason it's enabled us to live more creatively is that obviously when you when you are um, pursuing a creative career, you're almost by definition working for yourself. Your income is um, can be sporadic. Uh, you're always working towards a goal, or you should be. Um, yeah. But it's not; it's definitely not a nine to five, money every month kind of scenario. And so, it's very hard to fully commit yourself to that kind of life when you've got a mortgage mm. to pay mm. and all the associated expenses. So, by moving, we were able to remove that that mortgage burden we were able to put money in the bank we 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 had you know we have a cushion we have a a house that we own and so the the financial stresses of everyday life were very much lifted and that does free you up to take risks that you definitely can't take when you when when the bank and your children yeah. need yeah. <laughs> need yeah, feeding. Yeah. Yes. So uh, so that was that was very much a, a pivotal issue for us being able to to I guess in a way buy creative freedom yeah. and so and and then have the confidence to build on that and and we are at a, a point now where that work. Is generating the the kind of um, results that we we envisaged, yes. but it meant that we could ride we could ride the wave.
0: Yes, yeah, no, that makes complete sense, and I think um, mm-hmm. as much as we perhaps all um, don't want to link. Creativity and and finances—they are intrinsically linked in many ways, aren't they? And and actually, sometimes we—if you—if we can free ourselves of some of those um, financial yeah. burdens, it does allow for more time and more freedom yes to kind
1: of They, the they are intrinsically linked, and I think that it, it's very important not to forget that actually, because I think too often creative artists, whatever their pathway, are almost embarrassed by the idea that they should seek some kind of recompense for the work yes, that yes. they're doing. But if your work is being consumed by others yeah. and enjoyed, yeah. then you should be not ashamed of yes. being paid for it and being needing to be paid for yes, it. Yes. Uh, your creative artists are as much a part of the economy yeah. as anyone else. A fact that is too, all too often forgotten Actually, the um, thinking about creative artists being paid is in a way what launched me into writing many years ago when the Olympics were, came to London. yeah, People, all sorts of musicians were being asked to work uh, for no yeah. pay to celebrate this event. We were being told we should be proud to support the event, the country and so on. And at the time, I, many musicians, all musicians were outraged by Mm -hmm. this really because uh, certainly the electricians and plumbers were getting paid (laughs) Um, and (laughs) (laughs) um, at the time, I wrote a rather impassioned blog post called Do You Work For Free? And to my surprise, it went viral in a very big way I, all around the world. And uh, I had all sorts of people, you know, landscape gardeners, photographers, musicians, dancers, everyone writing and commenting and sharing this post. It really struck a nerve mm. and it was picked up by The Times and and those these little things happened that actually led me into writing, reviewing, led to other things. Yeah. Uh, so... So it
0: it is a um, a topic that's quite dear to yes. my heart. Yes, actually. I I totally agree with you. I, yeah, and I think as as musicians, we come across this regularly, don't we? The people, or society. It's not just individuals, but. Um, mm-hmm. Feeling that music is some kind of commodity that you're just entitled to have for free without yes. thinking about what goes into producing that, what goes into performing that, recording that, or everything um, that that that's yes, into ab- it. absolutely, and, and you, know,
1: uh, you know, everything everything around it. Nobody probably gives a second thought to yeah. how much your instrument might cost, how much yes. it might cost to yes. ensure that instrument. Yes. Uh, quite apart from the years of training. Yeah. Um, the the gradual process and the yeah. progress up the ladder whatever it might be yeah. the the costs of um, buying a professional level instrument are huge the yeah. cost of insuring that instrument is huge yeah. and the idea that you shouldn't be that you don't need to be paid because you're doing it for the love <laughs> <of it laughs> yeah. is uh, to to any any musician or artist really doesn't make any sense at all but I suppose it's because most people partake in the arts as a hobby um, or as a consumer of something lovely and they think how lovely it is and it must be lovely for us too and it is
0: lovely for us too but it's also a job (laughs) still need to pay the bills yes (laughs) that's right yes yes I agree Um, so my final question what would be your um, top piece of advice to someone listening who is contemplating a big life change I'm a great believer in seizing the day I really
1: think if something is drawing you to that, you should interrogate your reasons. Uh, Maybe running away isn't a good reason, but um, ask yourself why. Look at how you can make it work. Planning is really important. Yes. But at the end of the day, you you can plan all your steps as you step towards the cliff edge. But the last step takes you over the cliff edge and you do need to do that. That's the that's the moment you have to seize. And that's the moment when you have to be willing to take the risk and hope that when you step over the cliff edge, the wings that you've built will work (laughs) and that you can fly your way down to the (laughs) down to the across to the other side.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great analogy to, uh, to end our interview on. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, it's so inspirational um, and it's definitely given me a few ideas as well for some future plans. So thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Hannah. It's been lovely talking to you. That was Elizabeth Parry talking to Hannah Ash on the Shea Hany podcast. This is episode eight in the series, Inspiring Creative Career Change. If you're interested in listening to the previous episodes, visit sheahanny.substack.com where you can listen to everything and catch up on my latest blog posts. I'll be back soon with the next episode. See you then.